0: Good morning. My name is A.W. Ward, and I want to personally thank each and every one of you for tuning in to our services on this morning. We are certainly living in very trying times, times in which we are forced to separate physically. Nevertheless, we should always strive to be together in unity. And so I want to encourage you to Really open up your hearts and mind and receive with meekness this word this morning that is able to save our very souls. We're going to look deep within God's word and ask a very serious question of ourselves. Can our faith withstand the fire? Can our faith withstand the fire? This is the series that we're going to deal with and it would be over a course of four weeks and so we ask that you continue to tune in each and every week and be encouraged be equipped and be enlightened by the Word of God. Now without further ado listen to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. We are certainly very thankful and extremely blessed uh, to be back with you on uh, this morning. We are very uh, appreciative of God's grace and God's mercy for allowing me the traveling, the dangerous highways and byways to uh, travel to Houston, of course, and to be able to travel back. Let me say in the onset that when we dismiss this morning, I like about five minutes. There's an announcement I would like to make, please, when we dismiss this morning. But we are very, very thankful that each of you are with us this morning, and we just hope and pray that all of us have come out with open and receptive hearts to receive with meekness what the Bible calls the engrafted word that is able to save all of our souls. Let us be mindful of all of those poor families that are devastated, Right now in that southern Louisiana area, and, uh, and the devastation is not over. Uh, it's still ongoing. People are still losing their homes. People are trying to put their lives and things back together. And so let us be very, very prayerful for those families as they are struggling with uh, the things that they are struggling with. And let us be thankful that uh, God has spared us. Because, as you know, uh, many of us face some of the same kinds of, not to that degree, but uh, face uh, some pretty severe flooding around here in the Monroe area. And, and most of us was unscathed uh, by that. God blessed us to either live somewhere on a higher ground or be able to go somewhere a little higher. And, and so as, as it was, we were not as adversely affected uh, by the weather as some were but that's why it's important for us to keep our faith and our hope and our trust in god not in ourselves not in our governmental officials but in god that's where we have to put our trust and faith because he alone can keep us safe from any hurt harm or danger now without further ado we're about to endeavor into the last lesson in what I believe to be one of the most rewarding series that God has blessed us with thus far. And that is from the title, Can Your Faith Withstand uh, the Fire? Our text this morning is coming from Daniel, the chapter is 3. And we want to notice verse number 24 to verse number 30. Now the Bible reads... Then Nabatadnezzar, the king, was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was an hair of the head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made dung heels. Because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. I tell you, that's a story. Now, during the course of this sermon series, uh, we have seen the power of God working in the lives of these three faithful servants. Amen? Amen? We've seen their unwavering faith in God. Most people, unfortunately, don't even know their real names. Biblical history tells us that their names were changed at a young age because they had been captured by the Babylonians. In Daniel, the chapter is 1 and noticing verse number 6 and verse number 7. The Bible says, four young men from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were among those selected. The head of the palace staff gave them Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belshazzar. Hananiah was named Shadrach. Michelle was named Meshach. And Azariah was named Abednego. We've been richly blessed, church, to have an opportunity to look back at the lives of those who have preceded us in this journey of learning to trust God. Amen? And believe me, it is a journey to learn to trust God instead of our own selves. Is that right? We have seen how our faith in God unlocks his favor in our lives. These written accounts of those who trusted in the Lord during very difficult times are recorded for all of us who are growing in our faith in God to remember that God is faithful too and he can be trusted. Amen. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we trust him? Listen to what the proverb writer says in Proverbs the chapter is three, and notice in verse number five and verse number six, the proverb writer says this: "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Notice what he says. Do not depend on your own understanding." Did y'all hear that this morning? Amen. Seek His will in some things you do. I'm sorry. In a few things, you do. The book says, in all, amen, somebody, in all the things, is that right? All the things and in everything that you do. And then the Bible says something else. And he, he who? He God. He will show you which path, to take Amen. you see it's not up to us to take our own path it is, was it not jeremiah jeremiah 10 23 that passage is not there but you can jot it down if you, if you need to jeremiah said in jeremiah 10 23, O oh lord i know it is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps <laughs> you see it is god that gives directions i have told people over the years And in particular to the ladies, what makes a man good is not his height, is not his body dimensions, is not his bank account, is not his home and his car, is who he takes his orders from. The Bible says that a good man takes his steps from the Lord. The Lord is the one that orders his steps. It's not, it's not talking about him being six foot four and broad shoulders and clean shape. Amen, somebody. Amen. But rather, who does he take his orders from? That's what makes a man good. Amen, somebody. Listen, church. The Apostle Paul wanted all of his readers to realize that God's word is designed to give us hope during the troubling times we will face. Did y'all hear it this morning? Okay. It is not, not what we might face, but what we will face during our lives. That's why when the Bible says in Romans 15 and 4, for everything that was written in the past, I notice what Paul says, was written to teach us. Did y'all hear it this morning? Mm-hmm. Paul said everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. That's important for us to understand. There are many people that are misguided to believe that we don't need the Old Testament. But people that believe that don't know what Paul said in the New Testament. Because clearly Paul says, things that are written a four-time King James language are written for our learning, that we through comfort and pace of the Scriptures might have hope. Now, anything that's written for us to learn from, how can we say we don't need it? Because if you don't need it, then you don't need to learn from it either. Amen, somebody. Our text was divided into four parts, Church. This gives us an opportunity to gain a better understanding and a greater appreciation for the need of trusting and serving the true and living God. Mm -hmm. Those four points were the trouble, the trust, the testimony, and the triumph. Now, so far, we've examined the first three trouble, trust, and testimony. Now today, we want to explore triumph. I think that we all can agree that this sermon series has been the source of both encouragement and enlightenment to us all. Amen, somebody. This series has given us a unique opportunity to see what true faith looks like. In fact, we have also been shown what it means to have true faith in God. Church, listen. In the first lesson, we saw that true faith confronts challenges. This is very, very important. True faith confronts challenges. This is the reason why, church, listen. When something is going on that's not right, we have to lovingly address it. Did y'all hear me this morning? Amen. We have to lovingly address it. That's from the pulpit to the back door. That's what faith is. Faith does not, hear me well, faith does not go alone to get alone. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Are y'all following me this morning? And, and I'll tell you again, from the pulpit to the back door, that's not faith. Faith confronts challenges. Because, listen, church, how else can we grow in our knowledge and our understanding of the Word of God if we're not willing to stand on the Word of God? It's standing on the Word of God that proves to God that we are ready, willing, and able to receive more of his Word that we can grow thereby. If we're not willing to stand on the little we know, what's the point of God giving us any more? what's the point we won't use what he gave us amen somebody parents if you give your child you know uh, if you give your child one thing and they are not properly using that why well, go give them something else you want them to use what you gave them am I right and once they have shown responsibility with what you have already given them now you can consider giving them something additional but not until then You see, so true faith confronts the challenges. But not only that, church, true faith confesses the Lord. Did y'all hear me this morning? True faith confesses the Lord. And this goes back again to standing on the word of God. I can't say that I'm a gospel preacher, but I will not through my words and my deeds show that I am faithful to God confession of the Lord is more than making a statement. Anybody can make a statement. Do you remember in our second lesson where we saw King Nebuchadnezzar made a statement? He made a statement. He made a confession. A verbal public confession. And then we saw in lesson three the same man that had made a public confession came back And created a golden image. And dared everybody to not fall down and worship it. Made himself a God. The same man. That at one time. Had made a public confession. I mean. Church listen. Confessing Christ is more than. Getting up and saying. I believe Jesus Christ the son of God. Because listen. I ain't got to say it. But I got to show it. And when I show it. That's what I'm really saying. It. Is everybody following me? That's what I'm really saying it's when you can see it. If you can't see it, I ain't said it. My mouth might have been moving, but I ain't said nothing. That's when you can really know what I'm saying through what you see, not through what you hear, alone. Are y'all following me this morning? Hearing is one thing, but is it not a statement that says seeing is what? Seeing is believing. Amen. So, you see, true faith confronts the challenges. True faith confesses the Lord. But listen, here is the reason why this is so important. When we do that, true faith confounds the enemy. It does. Because, see, the enemy, and the enemy enemy being, let me explain who the enemy is. The enemy is anyone who will not take a stand for God. Did y'all hear me? Anyone who will not take a stand for God is the enemy. We're not talking about some extract thing way out there in the world someplace. We're talking about people that don't love God enough to stand. That's an enemy of the cross, of Christ. Understand that. Now, they may be an unwilling enemy. They may be an ignorant enemy. But they are still an enemy nevertheless. Okay? All right? And you see, when people don't understand you taking a stand for what's right, it's because they don't know God. Are y'all following See, you don't back away from standing before God because other folks say, well, I don't know why you're with that. You know, just don't say nothing. That's a coward, not a Christian. Amen. That's a coward, not a Christian. See, a Christian is going to say something. Matter of fact, that's what Paul says. Paul says this, speaking the truth in love. He said that you may grow thereby. Am I right about it? Now, notice how growth takes place. When the truth is spoken, and when the truth is spoken, which is motivated, how? By love. So, when truth is motivated by love, what happens? Growth takes place. Now, guess what? The same thing happens in your family. When you corrected your children, you told them What? the truth. What was the motivation behind it? Love. What was the end result? Growth and understanding what you as a parent expected of them. Am I right? Truth spoken in love Okay, will produce growth. That's in a family, that's on a job, that's at church. You've got to be spoken, but love has to be the motivating factor. Are y'all following? me? You can tell somebody something right in the wrong way, and they can't receive it. Are y'all following this morning? It's a wrong way to even say what's right. Did y'all hear me? Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example, because folks look at me like, wait, 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 what do you mean? Okay, let me give you an example. you on your way to hell if you're a member of the church. Okay. Now, true is, if you die outside of Christ, are you not lost? Amen. That's the truth. Wow. But if I done said it to you like that, even though it is true that salvation is in Christ, 2 Timothy 2.10, but the way I said it, I fixed it, well, you ain't going to receive it more than likely. Even though it was the truth. Are y'all following? That's why the truth has to be spoken. But it must be spoken, motivated by love. It ain't the fact that I'm trying to ridicule you. It ain't the fact that I'm trying to belittle you. Make you feel dumb and stupid. The fact of the matter is, I'm trying to reach you with the good news. What's good? Telling you you're on your way to hell. What's good about that? The gospel is what? Good news. Am I right? So what's good news about me telling you on your way to hell? Tell me. What's good about that? Nothing. That is not good news. Amen. And I'm trying to give us an example that I know we all are familiar with. <laughs> All right. Yes, it's the truth. You die outside of Christ, you lost. That is the gospel truth. But it has to be said and delivered and shown and taught, motivated by love where a person can receive it. Amen. Are we together this morning? Now, you see, it's through this. That we confirm the promises of God when we confront the enemies of God. When we confound their minds, when we confess the Lord, when we correct things that are wrong. See, this is how we confirm that God is with us, that God is working through us. See, I ain't got to be mean, I ain't got to be ugly, I ain't got to be harsh to straighten something out. Are y'all following me? I mean, that's not necessary. You see, I've told you before and I'm gonna to reiterate to you again, the best approach where there's a problem, I don't care who it is, the pulpit, and anywhere in between, the best approach is always to ask the question rather than make a statement. Let me give you an example. I'm doing something, got no business doing. Right. I said something, Had no business saying. You come to me and say to me, Brother Ward, were you aware of X, Y, Z? Brother Ward, did I understand you to say X, Y, Z? Brother Ward, did you do X, Y, Z? Are you following? It gives me an opportunity to address what your question is without being defensive. Because you just asked me a question. Are you all following You didn't tell me. Oh, you messed up. Oh, you did this. You had no business on that. You know better than this or that. And I tell us again, who don't know having somebody's wife impregnating her and then covering it up as wrong? Mm. Who don't know that? Yet, David, the only man in the entire Bible that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. The only one. This man took another man's wife, impregnated her, covered it up a year of the past, and he still didn't dawn on him. Didn't dawn on him. How he had turned against God. How he had sinned. Didn't dawn on him took the prophet coming along and paid him a nice little kitchen. Y'all know the story about the rich man that had many lambs and one poor man only had one. And the rich man threw the feast for a friend and went and killed the one poor man's lamb. Took his lamb. David was infuriated. He said, the man that done this thing shall surely be put to death. And then the prophet said, Thou art a man. (laughs) And for the first time, for the first time, and you might as well say two years. Because think about it, it takes nine months to have a baby. (laughs) So all this time that passed hadn't even done on him. That's why I want us to see how easy it is for Satan to confuse and to confound anybody. Don't look at somebody's position and say, "Oh, I know, I know, Brother Ward, know better than that. I know, Brother Sam, no better than that." And the question well, we know better than it. it's a question of whether or not we've been tricked, bamboozled, fooled, amen, blinded. That's right. And anybody, hear me well, anybody can be fooled if you're not careful. That's why we have to have compassion. That's why we have to have empathy. That's why we have to show mercy for everybody. And give them an opportunity, as the prophet did David, to realize within themselves, without you telling them, surely they was wrong by a question and example. And then when a person is doing something ignorantly, the Spirit will cause them to see your point. Y'all see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And they'll realize, oh my God, you mean I said that? You mean I done that? That ain't what I meant to say. That ain't what I meant to do. Hello, everybody, let me ask you a question. How many of you in your relationships, have said one thing, but your spouse took it another way out of the other? Huh? How many of you? Can I say all of you? <laughs> Every last one of you? Because listen, saying gets in between. This is the other scenario. Say gets in between sometimes what is said and what is heard. That's why. That's why. It is always to your advantage. To ask a question rather than making a statement. Are you following? Are you aware of, did I understand you to say? It? You see? That's so much better than saying, you said it! Oh, yeah. You see, because it could be a complete misunderstanding between what I said and what I meant. Are you all following? Me? Now, the triumph. There are many people who have been misled to believe that life of a Christian is filled with only the good and pleasant things of life. Church, that's a lie. Once you decide to obey God and become a Christian, that's when you will be confronted with your toughest challenges. It is through these challenges That you will learn to trust God and continue to confess your faith to others around you. Remember, confession of faith is more than just words. It's your actions as well. This is what will confound your enemies. They will expect you to fold under pressure. But instead, you will flourish. This is your confirmation that God is with you. Those who don't have their faith in God will fail to comprehend the word of God because they approach it with their own agenda and try to prove and justify their misguided faith and misrepresented and misunderstood God. We must always approach our communion, which is our study with the Lord, with an open and sincere heart. We must only seek God's wisdom He alone knows what we're able to receive and comprehend. When we understand what it truly means to trust God, that is when we will get out of his way. Did y'all hear that? We will get out of his way so he can lead us where he wants us to be. Remember, our understanding of God's word depends on our willingness to trust him with our lives, not our intellect, education, or even our role in the church. Amen, somebody. Our faith should be in God and not positions. Most of us was here this morning when we heard one of the most disgusting and horrific things ever that's going on in the news about a man who's supposed to be a preacher and how he is misleading women to to do unspeakable things in church service and then recorded it and put it on the screen for everybody to see which involved immorality as Paul would say that's not so much as even heard of Among the Gentiles. It was ridiculous. But people are following behind all kind of foolishness like that. That's why the church we have to stand what's right. And that's why we can't allow sin to get a foothold. That's why. Because if sin gets a foothold, you will find all manner of evil among us as well if you don't put a stop to it. That's why we have to go to one another in love. That's why. Because if you go, let it go unchecked, like like your children. Let your child go unchecked, what's going to happen? They won't get better. They won't get worse. James says this in James chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. If you need wisdom, notice what it says. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. You see, too many people is running to me Looking for answers. That's the wrong one. The proverb writer said, give us help, O God, because the help of man is vain. Man's help is vain. We need to be seeking God, not man. Seeking God. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive what? Anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. Now keep in mind, this is not written to denominationalism. This is written to us, the Lord's church, God's people. James shows us how to walk through the fiery trials of life, which is trusting God to guide us. That's how we walk through trials, not based on our ability, not based on our so-called individual spirituality, but by trusting God to guide us. The Lord promises to be with us and to walk with us no matter the severity of the trial or hardship. He will either strengthen us to bear the trial or deliver us from the trial. Through our faithfulness to him, God will give us the strength to be conquerors over all the crises of life, even over the crises of death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego has shown us what... It truly means to be servants of the Most High God. Now, let's take note of the results of their faith and the hope of ours. They were recognized as the servants of the Most High God. Notice why. Because the fire had no power over their choices. Did y'all hear me this morning? That's how they were recognized. Because the fire had no power over their choices. And ultimately, it had no power over their bodies. Amen? Amen. God was glorified and blessed by their actions. Because did not Nabuchadna said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As a result of what happened, heads were confounded. And hearts were humble. Did not Nebuchadnezzar give a decree that all people, every language, every tongue, better not say nothing against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen. Amen. He was serious about that. Now, let's take note of both the rewards and warnings that has been promised to us for our faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Let me say it again. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You know why that's important for you all to meditate on that? Because do not Satan tell you when you're going through whatever you're going through, you're the only one going through it. You remember I giving you giving you example of the show Wild Kingdom or Animal Planet, where the predator always looks for the one that's separated from the fold. That's why Satan tells you you are the only one that's got bad children. <laughs> you the only one got a problem spouse. You the only one got financial problem. You the only one car ain't acting right. You the only one don't have your, your bills paid. That's a lie. No, see, that's designed to isolate you, get you in a corner. Woe is me, woe is me, and he's going to wear you out. That's what that's designed for, okay? But there is no temptation that is taking you, King James says, that is not coming unto me. Now, the Bible goes on and says, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you. Look, he will show you a way out so you can endure it. But church, we have to be looking for God's way out. Did y'all hear me? We gotta be looking for God's way out. Not our own way. You remember the story of the man whose house was going underwater. Power boat came by, come on man, get in. He said, no, I'm waiting on God. Motor boat came by, come on man, get in. No, I'm waiting on God. Helicopter comes by, come on man, climb up, get in. We will get you to safety. man said, no, I'm waiting on God. Well, that idiot driver. Stood before God and wanted to have an attitude. Where were you go? I said, "What you mean? I sent you a paddle boat. You didn't accept that. Motor boat. Let that pass you by. Helicopter. You ain't have sense enough to get in there either. And now you got to audacity to come to me with this foolishness. <laughs> you know, no. Nah. We have to accept whatever escape God gives and be thankful for it. Amen. Whatever the escape." All right. Now, Paul says in 2 Timothy four seventeen, 17, Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by the preaching might be fully known, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Listen, the Lord stood with Paul. The Lord strengthened him. And why? Paul did not let his, ad- his adversity stop him from preaching the gospel. You see, that's what many times what we do. We let any kind of little storm come along. And then all of a sudden I'm going to stop. Don't let me have a headache. Oh, I can't go to church. Child, my head was hurting. I can't make it today. Oh, my hip was hurt. Let Monday come, You can have a headache, hip ache, backache, stomach ache, and you're going to be right there on that job. Sick as a dog. But you're going to be there. (laughs) Amen. But any last time it come along, folk will use as an excuse to abandon the word of God. But church, all it shows is where where our commitments really are. And it shows where our trust really is. We got more think about it. We got more faith in the job than we do in God. Amen. Amen. Now, because we don't expect the job to understand when we sick, but we expect God to understand it. Is that sound fair to, to God? Not to me, it don't. Listen to what Isaiah said, Isaiah 41 and 10. Isaiah said this don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will hold you up with the victorious right hand. You see, God is going to be there with us. But don't let situations and circumstances confound us to think that God is not here because we're facing a difficult time. Difficulties are a part of life, church. Y'all hear me? Yeah. We've already discussed so over the course of this series, it's not crises in life. That, 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 that shows us who we are, but it reveals who we are. It don't make us, but it shows, shows us. Amen? It reveals exactly who we are. God uses these adverse situations as opportunities to grow. We just have to look at them like that. It's about our perspective on the problem. It's not the problem, but our perspective about the problem. All right? Listen to what Samuel said in 1 Samuel 2.30. Samuel said this, But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think little of me. Something to think about. We must clearly understand that true faith does not compromise or second-guess God's word, because it's seen in Abraham, Abraham faith is obedience. In Hebrews eleven eight, 8, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Faith is church obedience. True faith has the assurance to say, I know my God is able to deliver me. And it has the confidence to say, I believe that my God will deliver me. But it also has the humility and submission to say, But even if he does not, I will still trust him. As Job once said, It should be clear to all of us by now that our faith is shown in our obedience, just as theirs was. This is especially true when we're standing before the heat of the world's blazing fire. blessed strive, church, to grow in our faith so that we too can one day say as Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Can your faith withstand the fire? That's the question that we've asked for the last four weeks. And I hope and pray that all of us have took an honest assessment of ourselves honest assessment of ourselves to see whether or not our faith can withstand the fire. Yeah. You see, you can't look around at somebody else and try to figure out what their faith will do. You've got to look in that proverbial mirror and see what yours is already doing. And based on what it's already doing, that's how you can determine what it might do. Yeah. Know what I said. What it might do. You still don't know what it will do, but you can helpfully guess what it might do based on what you're already doing. Is that all right? Yeah. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, you become a Christian first of all by hearing and believing the word of God. Acts 15 and 7. By repenting of your sins, Luke 13 and 3, by confessing Christ to be the Son of God, Acts 8:37, and by being willing to be baptized. For the remission of our sins, Acts 2 and verse number 38. And the Bible said God will add you to his church, Acts 2 and 47. If you are a member and you have strayed away, James says this in James five sixteen: Confess your faults one to the other and pray one for the other that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man will avail much. If you submit to the Savior's invitation, let it be known to get a stand and sing.